0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and tonight we are talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. The NWA will be in full effect tonight. There will be no NXT or AEW, and unfortunately, our new segment, uh, the highlight reel, will not be taking place as well. I will be doing quick hits and talking about NWA 74s night one and two, and NWA power from this week as well. Uh, So I hope that everyone's okay with that, and I hope that you will stick around for this journey. Uh, It was a total of eight hours worth of NWA this week with both nights one and two uh, at around the three-and-a-half-hour mark, and then power being one hour on YouTube. Unbelievable. My head is still spinning from how much NWA I had to watch, um, as well. A lot happening in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, we will get into our quick hits in just a minute. But a show note for next week, because I did this NWA show, I will be doing an all AEW and WWE pay per view show next week. We will cover WWE Clash at the Castle from Cardiff, Wales, which will be taking place, which would have already taken place before this recording um, on Saturday at 1 p.m. on Peacock. Then we will talk about NXT's Worlds Collide, which is also a network special uh, premium live event that will also be taking place on Peacock on Sunday. And as well, we will be talking about AEW's All Out, which will be taking place Sunday night as well. Um, So that will be happening next week. But as far as this week's show goes, uh, go ahead and pop open your favorite frosty beverage and strap in, and let's go ahead and get into the quick hits from this week in professional wrestling. And this week, we are starting off with our first quick hit, and that is... Warner Brothers and TNT executives asked AEW to tone down the language on future episodes of Dynamite and Rampage. Now, we both know that AEW has been pushing the envelope, both with their dangerous matches, the blood loss that we see, as well as the cursing that's been going on. Jungle Boy wore a shirt a couple of weeks back that said Christian Cage is a pussy. Apparently, though, Warner Brothers and TNT are not liking this one bit. They don't want to see this on their shows. And let's face it, WCW wasn't allowed to cross these lines back in the 90s. Why should I, AEW? There are a lot of people who will find that type of language offensive and will do their best to try to get the show canceled if it continues. So, I for one am on board with AEW telling, uh, with TNT and Warner Brothers telling AEW to tone down the language. I'm not offended, but I think that language, just for the sake of language, can sometimes be a little overdone and overplayed you know the wwe does this when they have the female superstars or even some of the male superstars say come on bitch or i'm gonna beat your ass bitch you know what i mean uh the words shit can be thrown around around a lot and dick i'm sorry for all the cursing by the way if i've offended anybody please don't get me canceled (laughs) but My point is, when you have cursing way too much, it's no longer a big deal. And the crowd is only going, ooh, because we're all a bunch of kids that when we hear a curse word, we laugh. So, AEW, tone down that language, let it be wrestling, let it be good storylines, and let's move on. Number two, Vince Russo says that for the last two years, he's been consulting and overseeing WWE Raw for the USA Network. (laughs) Oh my God, this guy is delusional and deranged. I mean, this is almost as laughable, excuse me, I had to light my cigarette. This is almost as laughable as when he said that he wouldn't work for the WWE or AEW if they called him. Or when he says that he helped create The Rock and Stone Cold and Triple H. Vince, the only thing you created in the Attitude Era was the verbiage that these guys were delivering. You didn't help with their characters. No. These are them on an amplified level. The Rock, Stone Cold, and Triple H. Furthermore, nobody wants you working for them. You've been a cancer and a poison to the professional wrestling world for over 20 years. And nobody cares to see you anymore. You're an old shtick and you're a dying one at that. And all you seem to do is talk shit. So I find it laughable that you would think that in this day and age we're going to buy that the USA Network hired you to be an overseer for Monday Night Raw before it goes on the air and to look at the scripts. Hell, a few months ago, we didn't know what the scripts were. Vince was doing everything on the fly. So how would you have been overseeing what was going on on the show when nobody knew what was about to happen? No. Vince Russo, you're a damn dirty liar. You look to get yourself pumped up in this business more so than the boys do. And nobody cares what you have to say anymore. The only reason that people still listen to you or watch you talk is because they are watching the train wreck that you have become and nobody can stop looking at that train wreck. Number three, Mexico's Gilesco cartel allegedly kills two Lucha Libre wrestlers, Maramato and Lepra. Are the bodies that were found over the weekend and planned wrestling show was canceled in mexico now this is a very big story this is not one that i care to joke about or or make fun of or say anything bad about because let's face it this is heavy guys wrestlers passing away dying or being killed is never a funny thing but when you hear that a cartel a.k.a. Mafia is involved, it makes it even worse. I don't know the full story yet, but I do know that this is what has happened, and a show was canceled because of it, so that they can mourn in memory to these great superstars. Uh, I have never seen Maramato or La LaPara's work, but I can say that the wrestling world lost two superstars, and that I hope that their families have peace on them. I pray for them. I hope that everyone that's mourning can get over this loss eventually. And if this is going to continue, watch out, guys, because this is, as I said, not a funny thing, not a a normal thing. This is a scary thing. And I do hope that we see that this stops and um, the wrestling world over in Mexico and Lucha Libre can uh, be made to heal and be made better again. And finally, Impact star Joe Doring is stepping away from competition. And he's doing so to take care of his health. He battled brain cancer six years ago, and it has unfortunately returned. We wish the absolute best to Joe Doring and his family. Uh, He's beaten it before, so I have no doubt that he can beat it again. He is a great wrestler, a lumbering talent with the uh, workability of a Stan Henson and a Bruiser Brody. Impact got a great star when they signed him, and I just hope that he will be back very soon. To that company, in order to help that company continue to prosper and grow as they go through all of these times with their company and changing. Uh, Impact has been changing since TNA and uh, continue to do so. So, to lose a star for the time being, like Joe Doring, it's going to be bad for them. But we want Joe to get absolutely healthy and come back at 100%. And who knows, one day he could be the Impact World Heavyweight Champion. So, with that said, That will bring an end to the quick hits. Let's go ahead and talk about some NWA power and NWA 74. And a reminder that if you smell what the arch is cooking is brought to you by WrestleNet Radio and the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. And fans, as I said, eight hours of NWA 74. Let's start off with night one show kicks off with one hell of a promo package showing the NWA's past and all the happenings over the last couple of months. Nick Aldis makes his way out to the arena and the crowd is on their feet. Aldis cuts a promo about being NWA champion and wanting his title back. He speaks about his past with TNA and how he met Mickey James. He isn't calling it quits. He got a new suit and a new haircut and still wants the fans to know who built this house. He welcomes the fans to NWA 74 and to Wrestling at the Chase. Great promo and added more to the storyline between him and Billy Corgan. Can't wait to see where they're going to go from that. Mims then takes on EC3, a good match but a little short. Mims showed off his power and threw EC3 around the ring in the early goings. Mind Games and Tricks got EC3 back in control. The two fought on the apron, but after a finisher and a submission hold, EC3 got the win in five minutes. Would have liked a little more time being a pay-per-view, but still good. EC3 cut a promo about the NWA and saying that uh, nostalgia and the legends are old, boring and dead in his eyes, and that he'd like to move away from that. And have control your narrative take over the nwa this brings out tom Lattimore. Uh, ec3 plays mind games and then tells tom that he's been warned before walking off the segment was actually better than the match here ladies and gentlemen that's all i'm gonna say the miserably faithful then took on the ill-begotten in a hardcore six-man tornado tag and all hell broke loose we saw ladders chairs tables and even medusa getting involved Danny Deals tried to leave the match, and Medusa came out and threw powder in his eyes. Judas hit a chokeslam and got the win for the miserably fateful in 12 minutes. Surprisingly good match. Not what, what, what I was expecting. Uh, Adonis then take, uh, took on Otison, a battle of the two big powerhouses going back and forth. Adonis tried to outsmart Otison, but this guy just kept coming back for more. Otison is a maniac and kept getting hyped. And every shot that Adonis tried to lay into this guy just kept giving him more and more strength, almost like the Ultimate Warrior. Boatmen collided and boatmen were down, but Odinson grabbed for a can of something. Adonis put on the master lock, but Odinson sprayed whatever was in the can into Adonis' eyes and got a the DQ. Uh, and it's a win for Adonis by DQ in eight minutes. Post match, Odinson nailed Adonis in the head with the spray can and then left him laying despite taking the loss kyle davis would then interview pretty empowered Ella says tomorrow night they're planning on beating the hex kenzie thanks to fans and says this is a dream and has been a dream come true since they started ella interrupts her and says she's sick of the fans and all the crying kenzie stops her and says tomorrow night's actions will speak louder than words the women's tag team champions seem to not be on the same page i wonder if that's going to be a problem for them tomorrow night's tag match. Homicide then took on the son of Ricky Morton, Kerry. Very athletic matchup, and the youngster Kerry Morton did an incredible job. He forced Homicide to wrestle and took him out of his element. They went toe-to-toe, and Morton hit a very nice super kick, but Homicide reversed the pump kick, and around around they went. Homicide hit a low blow and then took advantage, and we saw a second rope cutter. Homicide got the win and retained his junior's title at the 12-minute mark. Very good matchup there. Post-match, Carey isn't happy and gets in Homicide's face, but side-smacked him and walked off. Kyle Davidson then uh, introduced wildfire Tommy Rich. Tommy talked about watching the NWA and then eventually becoming a competitor in the NWA. He says he's been NWA for life, but I guess we're forgetting ECW and the FBI. Check out Reliving the Extreme when they eventually get there because it's some funny stuff, guys. This was just a hype for the show, and I, I to give a legend some TV time, I understand it, but a little wonky. Mae Valentine is interviewing Billy Silas and his him-her friend. Silas says his prediction for night two is pain. His valet says she's going to look stunning and Silas will win the MLW title. No comment. Matt Cordona is out and ready for his match, but he's cutting a promo first. He's boasting about being back so quick from his injury and is ready to get back the NWA title that he never lost. He introduces his opponent, Rolando Freeman. This guy is the manager of the Spectaculars and is 4'9 and 125-pound soaking wet. Great job, Matt. Great job. So it's Matt Cordona taking on Freeman. And this is a joke of a match. And it's joking fashion. Rolando Freeman rolled Cordona up and gets the win in five minutes. This served no purpose on the biggest pay-per-view. And this is what Matt Cordona brings to wrestling. I I, I can't stress how much this guy shits on the business more than anybody. And that's including what people think of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. May Valentine is interviewing Baby Doll and her daughter, Samantha Starr. Doll says it's an honor to be at NWA 74, and she thanks Billy Corgan. She says her daughter will be the first one in the Women's Battle Royal tonight and the last one standing. Samantha says she's happy to be competing against top women of the NWA, and at the end of the night, they'll all be seeing stars. And that takes us to the Burke Invitational Gauntlet. Kylan King is out first. She's followed by Samantha Starr, the daughter of Baby Doll, as I said before. These two battle it out, and then that brings out Natalia Markova. Markova takes out both her opponents, and this brings out Missa Kate. Number five is Maddie, and number six is Tyron Terrell, who is refusing to get into the ring. Max the Impaler is in number seven, and at number eight, we have 2D Lynn. I've never heard of most of these women, but they look pretty entertaining, and they're actually having a pretty damn good match in the ring. Uh, We then have number nine at Angelina Love, and Tootie Lynn is the first one eliminated. Action all around the ring with Love showing off some serious skill. Our final entrant is Genocide, and there are now seven women in the ring as one more got eliminated during Genocide's uh, entrance. Max eliminates Love and Terrell. And uh, Taryn Terrell in one shot, and we're down to five. Genocide eliminates Samantha Starr by submission, but Samantha actually showed off pretty well in this matchup. Uh, Max and Markova double-pin Genocide and King, and we are down to these final two. They test each other out, but Markova made a mistake, and Max took her down. Max hits her finisher and got the win and is now the new number one contender to the world women's tag team champ, uh, champion. Excuse me. I just made a flub. I apologize, talking too fast again. Max the Impaler is now the number one contender to the Burke, the women's world title held by Camille Brickhouse and will have her match tomorrow night on night two. It was a great 15-minute match, a lot of great talent, and a lot of great action all around the ring. Kyle Davis is interviewing a busted-up Aaron Stevens, and Aaron was apparently taken down by Kratos on the pre-show. Stevens is overreacting and acting like a jackass. He retired. Why is he still here? He hates wrestling and its fans, and he doesn't believe what Kratos did. I can't believe they're still giving this guy TV time. Scion then takes on Jax Dane. Uh, Dane attacked before the bell and took the fight to Scion. It was all Jax for the first few minutes, but we saw a little interference and caused by distraction by Mayweather, Jax's former partner and the former Crimson. Sion started to make a comeback, but Dane just muscled through. Sion made one final push and hit a big boot, and then his finisher, the Death Valley Driver, got the win in 10 minutes. Your winner and new national champion, Sion, the son of Austin Idol. We immediately go back to the ring for more action, and it's Mike Knox taking on Bully Ray in a tables match. A war was waged from the opening bell as these two former friends went into battle. Um, Knox beat the crap out of Bully, but the former Dudley fought back. The beating Knox took with a chair wasn't easy to watch, and it looked like Bully Billy would get the win. But Knox came back. He missed putting uh, Ray through a table, and that allowed Bully to hit a spine buster on Knox through the table. And Bully Ray gets the win in nine minutes. Definitely worth watching. Bully celebrates and is handing out pieces of table to the kids in the audience. That's a great take home from any show. <laughs> Kyle interviews Ricky Morton and Ricky had a message for Homicide. He said Homicide had to do hardcore things to beat his kid tonight. And he suggestively flips off Homicide as Ricky walks off. Now, I'm going to go on a little rant here for just a second, ladies and gentlemen. Guys like Ricky Morton and uh, Rey Mysterio pissed me off a little. You bring your sons into wrestling, you train them, you want them to do great. And I get it is a father's prerogative to watch over their son. I would do the same. But then they begin acting like their son is some dumb kid whenever somebody does something to them or does something to them in the ring. You know, Rey Mysterio protects Dominic like he can't wrestle. Ricky Morton's mad that Homicide, a hardcore wrestler, did this to his son in their match. It's just a little unbelievable. You know, Bill Watts didn't used to come to the ring and protect Eric every moment that he could. Ric Flair was not always involved in David's career. It's just a little ridiculous and becomes overbearing when you see this. Now, again, I understand it's a father's prerogative to watch over their sons or their children. I would do anything for my children. But if I put them into a sport like wrestling or football, I wouldn't be sitting there and bitching when something happens to them or acting like, oh, my God, you killed my child who wasn't even supposed to be in the ring. It's ridiculous. It needs to stop. Now, apparently, David Hart Smith and Doug Williams had to give up the world tag titles due to an illness fell on uh, David Hart Smith. We have a new tag team title match coming up, and it's going to be Hawks and his son Ari, PJ Hawks, taking on La Rebellion. Um, Doug Williams comes out before the match begins, he vacates the title, and he shakes Luke Hawk's hand and walks away, and we are ready. So it's PJ and Luke's Hawk uh, taking on La Rebellion. This was a great semifinal main event. Um, Hawk's proved why he's been in this business so long and took it to Bestia and Mecha Wolf. His son PJ got in some nice high-risk moves and had La Rebellion in trouble bestia finally came back and got the upper hand on pj mecca and bestia double teamed the son of luke hawks and almost had it won but we saw a hot tag luke came in and cleaned house but as he was about to get the win damian sprud missed in hawk's face and this allowed bestia to hit his finisher and get the win in 15 minutes your winners and new world tag team champions la rebellion now again when you're looking at father and son wrestling luke hawks didn't get upset when his son was having his ass beat in the ring and try to just do anything no he he continued the match he tried to get the win and then the father of bestia 666 damian spewed mist in his eyes gotta love that father and son wrestling ladies and gentlemen post-match doug williams shook the hands of the winners la rebellion and I can't wait to see the Commonwealth take these two on again for the titles whenever David R. Smith is feeling better. Kyle Davis introduced the new number one contender uh, to the world heavyweight title Tyrus and NWA champion Trevor Murdoch. Billy Corgan joins, and apparently Corgan needed some TV time. He thanks the fans and reminds us he bought the NWA when it was nothing, and now it is everything. The fans helped bring it back to prominence. He hyped tonight's main event. And tomorrow nights as well. He then reminds us who he is and that he is the owner of the NWA. Yeah, Billy, we get it. Thanks, we we understand, Billy. Tyrus addresses the crowd first and puts over his TV title run. He says he respects Trevor, but he's ready for tomorrow night and it's personal. Murdoch says that one of his uh, that over his dead body that he will not allow Trevor. Um, Trevor says that over his dead body, he will not allow Tyrus to become the world heavyweight champion. Both men get in each other's faces, and Corgan tries to calm things down. He gets them settled down and then they pose for a pitcher like he's Dana White. And I'm sorry for flubbing my line again, but Billy Corgan's promo really got me out of the weed got me in the weeds there. Uh damn, this guy has an ego on him. This segment was kind of a waste of time. Bring on the women's title match, please. It's all I'm asking for. There we go. Taya Valkyrie will now take on Camille. It was worth the wait because this was an incredible match as both women put on one hell of a performance. Taya took an early advantage, but the champion hugged in there. Camille fought back and used her power to keep Valkyrie down. Taya tried to go up top, but Camille brought her down the hard way. Taya almost had the match won, but Camille kicked out. (coughs) Valkyrie went for a finisher, but Camille countered and hit the spear. Gets the win in 18 minutes and retains her title. Great main event for night one. Uh, post-match, the locker room came out and paid respects to both women as the show went off the air. Uh, giving night one a 3.5 out of 5. Some of the matches were a little short. Some of the segments ran a little too long. And that Billy Corgan segment did nothing for the shows at all. Still good, but could have been so much better. So, with that said, again, apologies for flubbing my line. Uh, and, and, you know, going off script a little bit, it happens It's the power of recording when you do ladies and gentlemen. And now that brings us to NWA 74 night two, we get welcomed to the show by our announce team and get a rundown of what's to come tonight. This is a jam packed card and it seems even bigger than night one. Caprice Coleman takes on Colby Carino in our opener. I was surprised at how good this match was. But both guys looked amazing in the ring. Caprice fought hard, but the son of the king of old school was innovative. Coleman got the first fall quickly, as this was a two-out-of-three falls match. And it looked like he had the second fall wrapped up, but Carino kept coming back. Carino won the second fall with some dirty tricks, and we're all tied up. They fought to the outside and almost risked a double count-out. Carino once again used some underhanded tactics, and hit a Styles Clash to pick up the win in 10-minute mark. Great opener. Great young stars going at it here. I enjoyed it very much. U.S. Tag Title Battle Royal. We saw teams like the Fixers, the Miserable, Fateful, the Spectaculars, and Taven and Bennett, amongst others. The Surprise 12th team was new World Tag Team Champions La Rebellion, so they're looking to unify the titles tonight immediately. Uh, The match starts out like a true Bedlam and Battle Royal fashion. Team started to be tossed out of the ring, and there were bodies everywhere. Hawks and P- uh, Luke Hawks and PJ Hawks eliminated the NWA tag team champions, the Rebellion. Uh, OGK got eliminated despite having JJ Dillon with them. It came down to two teams, and when it was all said and done, the Fixers got the win in 15 minutes, and they are the new NWA U.S. tag team titles. I thoroughly enjoyed this, but just to get a little bit of a of a spewing some venom here the nwa has way too many titles this worked when there were different territories and fans were seeing these belts being defended in different states but when you're one show and you now have like 10 titles a little ridiculous when you've only got like two hours of tv on youtube and fight tv just saying kyle davis is with matt cordona and the family Kyle asked him about his shocking loss to Ronaldo last night. Matt says it was supposed to be the beginning of his comeback story. He called the loss the St. Louis screw job. He gave Rolando the opportunity of a lifetime, and he wasn't 100% last night, but he did it as a favor to the NWA. He thinks he let everyone down and even apologized to Rolando for what he'll do to him next. This went way too long. And it was just a, was Was not good in any way, shape, or form, but that's my opinion. I refuse to take Matt comedy wrestler Cordona seriously, and storylines like this serve no purpose anymore. Because it wasn't to get Rolando over, it was to actually get Matt Cordona over. And guess what? It's failing miserably. Macario, Macario then took on Magic Jake Dumars. Ugly Fabio taking on a magician. How bad could this be? And it was actually okay. both guys worked their asses off they got seven minutes and fought all over the ring and on the outside dumas produced a razor blade from his mouth and this distracted the referee he hit a burning hammer on macario and got the win i expected it to be bad but it was actually somewhat entertaining now it's time for thrill billy cyrus and his he him friend taking on davy richards very good, uh, technically sound battle between two fighters. Thriller Billy, even though he has a silly gimmick, had a great moveset. Richards fought hard and had a ton of near falls, but Silas kept making a comeback. Pollo, the he-him, got the, on the apron and almost collided with Silas. Richard hit a, a roll-up and then caused Pollo's hair to come off. Davey put on an ankle lock and got the win in 11 minutes. Excellent match with a lot of storytelling here. Joe Galley gets in the ring and asks his girlfriend, Shelby, to join him in the ring. He pledges his love and proposes to Shelby, and she said yes. The crowd chanted, and this was actually a nice feel-good moment, but Chelsea came off a little stiff and like she didn't know what to do. I understand this might have been a surprise, but she didn't cry. She didn't look shocked. She was like, yeah, I'll marry you. I don't know. Kyle then introduces J.J. Dillon and Barry Windham. Wyndham says he is so happy to be a part of this and how great St. Louis has been to the N.W.A. J.J. says wrestling is alive and the N.W.A. is the best for your money. May Valentine then interviews Tom Lattimore and Camille. Tom says EC3 was right about him, but nostalgia isn't dead. And tonight the better man will win as those two are going to hook it up on pay-per-view tonight. And um, then Camille says she's ready for her match with Max. And that she may have some devil in her, but she's going to beat the shit out of the devil tonight. So Camille, after having a great match with Taya last night, is going to have a, another big match with Max the Impaler. And Tom Lattimore has finally got an opponent, and opponent it's EC3. Mayweather then takes on Scion, and uh, he is the former Crimson, as I talked about before, taking on the son of Austin Idol, our new national champion. Um <coughs> They battled tooth and nail throughout this match, and Mayweather looked fantastic. He had the match won, but a distraction by Jack Stane haunted him. Scion tried to fight back, but Mayweather wouldn't allow it. We saw a top rope elbow drop, but Sion kicked out. Reversal into a Death Valley Driver by Sion, and then a second DVD just to make sure, and Scion retains the title in nine minutes. Very good matchup between two of the young up-and-comers in the NWA. The Hex then took on Pretty Empowered. This one started quick with Marty Bell hitting Kenzie with a trash can and Kay using the ring bell on Ella. We saw chairs, trash cans, and even Legos. Yes, Legos again, ladies and gentlemen, and even the ring steps get involved. Ella and Kenzie made a comeback and brought the fight to their opponents. (coughs) Alice and Kay got taken out through a table, and the end was near. Pretty empowered, put a trash can on top of Marty Bell and hit a double super kick for the win at the 10-minute mark. Great hardcore matchup here. Um, A lot to be, you know, left in the ring. Got to wonder where they're going to go after that. Ricky Morton then took on Homicide for the Juniors title. I love Ricky, but this wasn't good at all. They had no chemistry and couldn't get on the same page. I get wanting to avenge your son, you know, in storyline, but this didn't need to happen. Homicide raked his eyes and then hit an awkward looking clothesline to the back of the head and got the win in eight minutes. Weird finish to just a bad match. (coughs) Flip Gordon then took on Nick Aldis. Flip showed a lot of heart and fight in this one. (coughs) Excuse me. He used his speed to confuse Nick Aldis. We then saw some great high-risk spots, and Gordon had a great showing. However, Aldis is a great wrestler and a chess player and pushed back the entire match. We saw the top rope elbow drop from Aldis and one hell of a DDT. Flip wouldn't give up, and so quickly, and made another comeback. Nick finally placed on the Texas Cloverleaf and forced Flip to tap out in 11 minutes. Another great matchup here tonight. Night two has been very, very good. Post-match, Aldis shook Flip's hand and walked off. Odinson attacked Flip, Gordon, and this brought back Aldis, but he was taken out by Odinson as well. Gotta wonder what the big man is thinking Going after both these superstars. Rodney Mack and Aaron Stevens then took on the Pope and Kratos. I guess Aaron Stevens is no longer uh, retired. Um, This turned into a singles match between Mack and Pope because Kratos chased Stevens backstage. Pope was trying, but Mack is just a hard fighter and took it to him. After a few minutes, Kratos began beating the hell out of Stevens and brought him back to the ring. They all fought on the stage, and Kratos took Stevens out. Mack locked in a submission on the Pope, but Kratos tripped them both up, and the Pope ended up rolling up Mack and got the win in 11 minutes. Wild match, but good. Really good, and I think that's because it was less of Aaron Stevens. It was just these three other guys that are very well-known and have a lot of great repertoire in the ring actually having a good match. EC3 then took on Tom Lattimore. These two fought from the bell and just threw right hands at each other. EC3 landed some good shots, but Lattimore wasn't going to have it and beat him down. He choked EC3 on the ropes and pushed the referee away when he tried to stop him. Control your narrative hit the ring, and I don't know who any of these three guys are, but they're apparently a part of this company that EC3 is running. They hit the ring, and the match is thrown out and told to be a no contest at the six-minute mark. I see that why this wasn't built up, because it was only used to hype Control Your Narrative, I'm really not getting it. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. No, sir. I didn't like it. Post match, EC3 hit uh, teased hitting Lattimore with a chair. While the control your narrative guys held him down, but stopped short and then whispered something to him. May interviewed Father James Mitchell about Max's women's title shot. Mitchell says he was. Uh, she will feast on the bones of what's left of Camille when Max wins the Burke tonight. Bully Ray joins the commentary team, and we are ready for the NWA title match. Incidentally, Bully Ray trained Camille Brickhouse, and that's why he's there watching, because he wants to root on his former student. A war between these women uh, it just broke out immediately from the get-go. We got and Impaler and Camille, two incredible women's wrestlers, and neither would give way for the other. Max used her strength and had the women's champ hurt early on. We saw her finisher, but Camille actually kicked out. Camille began to fight back and reverse whatever Max was throwing at her. A missed shoulder block in the corner allowed Camille to roll Max up at the 11-minute mark and get the win and retain her title. Two nights in a row, and Camille delivered uh, uh, two great title defenses. I have to applaud her. She did absolutely fantastic. Kyle brings out Billy Corgan again, and tonight he's paying homage to the legends who walked the aisle in this arena. He says, not only do we honor history, we honor history thanks to the fans. He announces that the Chase will host NWA 75 next year, and then he throws to a video paying respect to those who have passed in the last year with a 10-bell salute. Very classy by the NWA. See if Billy done this last night and not what he did, I would have respected it more. And now it's time for our main event, Trevor Murdoch defending the NWA title against NWA TV champion, Tyrus. Two juggernauts entered the ring and had a fight to the main event of the show. Tyrus proved uh, he was a deserving champion and fought with everything he had and even kicked out of a top rope uh, bulldog at least one time in this matchup, which I, I thought was amazing. Murdoch proved what an NWA champion truly is and fought hard and even kicked out of the heart punch. So both these guys are testing each other's merit the whole way. It looked like neither man had anything left, but Murdoch dug deep and put Tyrus down, went to the top rope and hit a second top rope bulldog to get the win in an amazing 16-minute matchup. Uh, Post-match, Murdoch grabs the mic and begins to pay respect to Tyrus, but the big man flipped him off and walked away. Trevor can't believe it, thanks to fans. Night 2 has come to an end. Night 2 flowed a little better for me. Definitely had some better matches. Although, I will say night 1 had the better main event. Because the women got a little more time. I'm Giving night 2 a 4.5 out of 5. The NWA put on 2 nights of good to great wrestling action. But damn, 7 hours was tough, ladies and gentlemen. And we come to our final part of the show. It's NWA Power Review. And show kicks off by going to the ring, which you know is my absolute favorite. And it's Matt Taven taking on Mecha Wolf. Incredible opener, and both guys showed off big time. Mecha Wolf used his power and speed while Taven went to the air and tried to force his opponent to make a mistake. Good back-and-forth action with Mecca looking for his finisher, but Taven reversing it into a roll-up and getting the win in nine minutes. That's the way you open up a show that's coming off a huge pay-per-view like NWA 74. Well done. Kyle Davis interviews Ricky Steamboat. Ricky talks about how great NWA has been and all the tournaments we've been seeing. He loves seeing the tournaments come down to the finals. He's then interrupted by Matt Cordona, the wrestling joke that is Matt Cordona, who puts himself over, tells Ricky that the title was stolen from him and that he was screwed over by Ronaldo last night and all the whole BS bullshit that he's been going through. Ricky says he feels for the guy. And that, you know, he did never lose the title. So Matt interrupts again and says, well, he'll be def- be challenging for the NWA title at hard times, too, against Trevor Murdoch. Ricky then stops him and says, well, dude, you've been out three months. There must be somebody better than you who's earned a shot at the title. Matt flips out and walks off and says he's going to kick the crap out of Ronaldo. Uh Chelsea interrupts and disrespects Ricky and both walk off. I have to say Ricky Steamboat was great, but maybe get rid of Matt Cardona altogether. I don't. I don't know. This was just a a bullshit way again for Cardona to shit on the business, in my opinion. May interviews Trevor Murdoch, and Trevor says he's not going to deal with Cardona's BS, especially with Ricky Steamboat in the arena. He also says that he doesn't care if it's Cardona or anyone. Because they're going down at hard times. He puts over Tyrus in their match at NWA 74. Very respectful, rough and tough champion coming out of Trevor Murdoch. Kyle is with Aaron Stevens, and he's acting quite different. He's almost trying to be like a Dusty Rhodes type of character, but not as good. He introduces the new question mark. Wow. I didn't think they'd do this after the passing of Josephus. It's apparently Rodney Mack under a mask. Damn. Really? We're going here. Uh, the new question mark would then take on a youngster by the name of Graves. This new question mark makes short work of his opponent and hit the Mongrovian Spike. Roddy Mac, I mean the question mark, excuse me, wins in two minutes. This may be interesting, but it could also flop like a piece of shit. May is about to interview EC3. She asks him what's going on between him and Tom Lattimore. EC, EC3 says he's not here for the toxic fans. He doesn't believe in nostalgia or the history of the NWA, and he's there to destroy it. He's also there to become the NWA champion, but once he wins the title, he's going to basically dump it into a pit of fire and kill what is left of it. Uh, He says that Tom Lattimore has been warned and that next week, EC3 himself will make his NWA power debut. Lattimore then takes on the debuting Chris Sains. The newcomer Sains tried to get a quick start, but Lattimore sidestepped him and took his opponent down one seated power powerbomb later, and it was over in two minutes, and Lattimore got the win. Too short to comment. That's two two-minute matches in a row. Damn. May interviews Nick Aldis and Flip Gordon. They both talk about the attack done by Odinson. May says Odinson has been suspended indefinitely. Aldis says it's okay because it's not the first time someone tried to make a name for him, and he employs Odinson for trying. Flip Gordon said he didn't know who this guy was, but now he will because he wants to beat the crap out of him. Um, but it Nick Aldis takes control of the interview and says he's going to make Odinson regret that he ever tried anything against a guy like Nick Aldis. May then interviews Bully Ray and asks what's next for him in the NWA. He says it's great to be in the NWA and he's here for Killin' King and Camille because he's proud having trained them both. He says he only came here as a guest but might Knox crossed the line and that's why he wanted to get his revenge like he did last night against Knox in their tables match. And then it's time to go to the ring for Ronaldo taking on Matt Cordona part two. And this is a hardcore match. This was sloppy and just a bad choice for main event interference from Knox and Ronaldo's brother all throughout and Cordona trying to make this look like a good match. Ronaldo almost killed himself with the dive to the outside, but almost missing as his head collided with the uh, outside floor. And it just kept getting worse. Trevor and Murdoch snuck in and hit a bulldog to Cordona from the top. Ronaldo gets the win in 10 minutes. I don't understand the storyline or why it was the main event, but it was bad. Giving this week's episode of Power a 2.5 out of 5. The opener and the main event were given time, but the main event was terrible. The other matches were too short, and the interviews ran long. Not the best episode I've ever seen. Really, really did not enjoy Power. But I will say that the NWA did a great job with their eight hours of wrestling this week, giving the fans a true experience to see everything that they have to offer. Very good job by the NWA. And as I told you guys, next week coming up and uh, WWE Clash of the Castle, NXT's Worlds Collide and AEW's All Out will be reviewed. We'll be back with our quick hits. We'll even talk about some of the highlights from the week. And who knows what else is going to happen. I want to thank you guys for joining me here on If You Smell What The Art Is Cooking. Make sure that you take a look at Reliving The Extreme, The Year That Was, A Slice in Time, Mark's Indie Spotlight, and the one that got us here, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Because I assure you, you don't want to miss out on all the great shows. Oh, and just a quick announcement. Your winner and still we can't wrestle trivia champion is myself, Archie Mitchell. That's right. I beat Aaron Maxson, Mark Brew, and Chad Austin, former ECW superstar, in that trivia challenge. I want to thank them all for participating, but the ass whooping was inevitable, boys. So I will see you all next time on If You Smell la, 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 la. What the Arch is cooking.